but we're excited that you're here this morning. I was joking uh, last week, you can take the, the youth pastor out of youth ministry, but it's hard to take the youth pastor out of the pastor. So with just videos and fun, we want, we want to have a good time, we want to laugh, we want to smile, we want fellowship to be pleasing, right? We want to come together and enjoy being in God's presence and, and enjoy being with one another. I mean, yes, we take life very seriously. We take this, the gospel message of Jesus Christ very seriously, but we also just want to smile and have a good... So today we're going to be talking about the, the disciples, the early church. They were devoted to... Last week, what were they devoted to? Anybody tell me? Some of you... Huh? They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Very good. You get a star. We'll give that to you afterwards. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. And then from there, it says they were devoted to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Okay, so we're going to jump into those few things today, especially at the end, we're going to break bread together, and we're going to share the Lord's meal together at the end of the service, and so I want you to be prepared for that. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get right into it. So Father, we thank you so much for the fact that we can laugh, we can have joy, we can be excited to be together in your presence. We thank you for the fact that we are doing exactly what they were devoted to back then. We are fellowshipping together, we're participating together in the life of the church, and the life of this community. And Lord, I pray that you would be here among us because ultimately we want to fellowship with you. We want to be connected to you. And flowing out of that is our connection to one another. So God, I pray you'd be with us today. Uh, speak through me, Lord. Forgive me of sin in my life, Lord, so that I can be clean, so that you can speak through me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this was an exciting, I love this particular topic because I think it's something that, uh, that naturally we're pretty good at it. We're pretty good at spending time together and being around each other, participating in each other's life, sharing in life together. Uh, and so this whole idea of fellowship flows out of a word called koinonia. How many of you have ever heard the word koinonia before? If you've been around church life, some of you have heard the word koinonia. Now, interestingly enough, the word koinonia is a feminine noun, which makes sense because girls are just better at fellowshipping together. They do it in the bathroom together. They go to the bathroom together and they fellowship. I don't understand that. Guys, you go to the bathroom. We do not talk to each other. You have to be desperate for some help in the bathroom if you're going to talk to each other as guys. You're like, maybe you're not, hey, what's up? You just, that's it. No words. And then you're done and you move on. Girls, hey, let's go to the bathroom together. You'll never hear a guy ask another guy, hey, let's go to the bathroom together. They won't do that. They will not fellowship with one another like that. It's just crazy. But girls, it's just something about them. They're wired that way. They're just wired differently, right? Amen? Girls are just different than guys. We know that to be true. So let's look at the passages of Scripture that kind of uh, give me some inspiration for this particular topic. And they come from the book of Acts. So Acts 2, 42 through uh, 47. I'm just going to read. The, I haven't read the whole thing yet because we've been just jumping into a the first few verses, but it gives us a picture of what fellowship is. And so here's the idea of fellowship. I'm going to wrap your mind around this idea, is to participate in, to share, to be partners, to be in community with one another, to do life together. Like, we need each other. Sometimes guys especially think, well, I don't need anybody. I'm good. I don't, I don't need anybody. But we do need one another. And so this is this idea of participating in life together, doing life together. And so here's what it says, Acts 2, 42 through 47. 
It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in, in, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you have a picture of what community or what fellowship could possibly look like. And it's not that this is, it's not that they did this perfectly. It's not that they didn't have issues in the early church. They did, even the rest of the New Testament, you can find all kinds of issues. But, it's, but this gives us an idea or a picture, a model of what church life or community life can and, and, and could look like. At the very end of this passage of Scripture, what was the last word that they, that they shared? They're being saved. People were being saved. Now, have you ever heard that phrase before? How many have heard the phrase, hey, have you, have you ever been asked, hey, are you saved? How many of you have been asked that question? Are you saved? Yeah. And then, the, like, saved from what? Like, is there something, what's going on? Is there something I need to be saved from? Well, yeah, ultimately, in this particular, this thought is that you need to be rescued from separation from God. You need to be rescued from the destruction that comes if you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In this particular passage of Scripture, that word saved means sozo. They were rescued from destruction and brought into a divine safety. Like, do you know Jesus? Have you been rescued from being separated from God forever is really what that's saying. And so when you ask someone, say, hey, have you been, have you been rescued? Well, rescued from what? Like a flood <laughs> or a storm or whatever? No, I'm just wanting to know, have you been rescued? Because the church wants to be a place where people can come to be rescued, right? At the YMCA, at the pool, they have lifeguards, a lot of them now, and they're all walking around. And they're strolling. What are they doing? What are they there for? Yeah, to keep people safe. To save people if they need to be rescued. And so the church is a place, a divine place for people to come and find rescue. Last week, remember, I talked about the church is a place where we are brought out from something to something else. And in this particular case, they would have been brought out from the penalty of sin and brought into God's presence. Death to life. And that was what's going on in this fellowship. And in this fellowship, they were... They were all together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They gave to anyone who had need. I love this idea of the church just taking care of one another, right? Like even, even this morning, I guarantee you, you come in this morning with a need. Every single one of us have a need. And my guess is, is there's somebody in this room that can meet that need. But how do we figure out how that happens? How do we figure out to get those? How do we get to, the two of you to sit together? How do we get the two of you to, to do life together and just, hey, you know what, I'm just really needing some encouragement today. Hey, you know what, I have this gift of encouragement. I'd love to just spend some time with you. And let's just talk about it. Let's just get together and let's have a cup of coffee and let me encourage you. know what, I've been through the exact same thing. Maybe it's not exactly like your scenario, but I, I, can, I can feel what you're going through. And can we, I'll just, we'll just talk. So we have these needs and the church is, a, is a, a place where those needs can be met. And here's another picture of that a little bit later on in the book of Acts in uh, chapter 4. 
It's another picture of, of fellowship and community and what was going on at that particular time. So look at Acts 4, starting in verse 32. It says, All the believers were, in, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, at God's, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, that's never happened to me as a pastor, in a, at least while I was preaching. But there have been times where people said, you know what, I, just, I have this and I want to give it. Do you know anybody that could use this? Once a year, someone would come into my office at the First Baptist Church in Christmas time, give me $1,000, 10 $100 bills, and said, give this to people who have need. And I knew plenty of people who had need. The problem was is trying to figure out how to spread it out, how to make sure it went to the right people. But all, all, every single year, there would be just the right scenario where God would put it into the hands of the people who needed it. Were there more people who had need? Absolutely. Was there more need for more money? Yeah, Absolutely. But in that particular case, someone would bring the money to me and say, hey, I know you need, know people who have a need. Give this to them. Don't let them know who I am, but just give this to them. And that was, that was incredible. So here's this picture of when people have, they just felt like, you know what? I have this extra. I have what I, I, have what I need. I'm, got, all my needs are taken care of. And so I want to be able to bless somebody else. And that is fellowship. That is doing life together. That is encouraging and, and just um, supplying for the needs of others. And that is the church. That is living out the command. Last, what was Jesus' command last week? What did he say? What was his command? The number one thing. Love each other. How, how is the world going to know that you belong to Jesus? What is the number one? How, how is the world going to know you're saved? By the way you love each other. That's right. By the way, the church should be a contagious place where people see each other loving each other so well that there's something about it. They say, you know what? I want some of that. I want some of that. Like, if, if they let you in, maybe they'll let me in. <laughs> yeah, I'm a picture of that. If they let Brady be a pastor, then there must be some hope for me too, you know? That's, uh, this, it's contagious. People want to be a part of that. And so this love, this love that we have for one another, here's what it says in Acts chapter 12 real quick. Or not Acts, um, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. You can, you can turn, but you can just listen, or you can write it down. Romans chapter 12. So this love that, that is being talked about here, Paul goes on to say later on that this love must be sincere. It should not be fake. You know, hey, hey man, what's up? Uh, dude, I love you, man. I, lo I love you too. But it must be sincere, meaning it must be real. Paul says that you should hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Practice it. Like, do it. Do it. Just practice, 
Let people into your life. Let people into your home. Let people into the, the resources that you have. Practice hospitality. So I'm talking about fellowship, so I thought, you know what, what's the best way to really, to really be involved and really just be inspired to speak about fellowship? Well, the best way to do that is to go in fellowship. So this week, uh, on Thursday, Trish and I had the opportunity to go down to the lake with some friends, and they, they have access to a home, and they shared their resources. They allowed us to come. They didn't charge us anything to come. They just said, hey, it's available. Come and just let's fellowship t- together. And while we were sitting there, sitting there around a table, we were playing games and laughing, having a good time. There was a sign, this little, it was a paddle, a little small miniature oar hanging down, and it said these words, sit long, talk much. That describes fellowship, especially for you ladies. <laughs> Sit long, talk much. Now, guys, on the other hand, we might rather it say something like, work much, sit for a few minutes. Because <laughs> we're just better at task, right? You give a guy a task, and, you, and guys can do tasks together. We love doing stuff together. We love working together. That way we get our fellowship in and we actually accomplish something because we're really task-oriented. We're task-driven. Like we can sit back and say, hmm, look what we did. That's awesome because that's the way we're wired. Girls can talk for hours and they they can solve all the problems of the world or maybe not. They just love being together. And there's some guys that are like that too. I'm I'm kind of in the middle. I I love being around people. If I get too much of people, you know that's a lot of people. Because I'm, a, I'm an extroverted person, if you didn't figure that out already. Fellowship for introverted people might be a little bit more of a struggle. How many introverts do we have in the room where you're just kind of like, I just really like to be by myself. But yet you want fellowship. You just don't want it in big doses. You just want it in small little packages. All right, so I need, I need a couple volunteers. And let's see who. Crystal, you want to come up? You don't come up? Why'd you raise your hand? <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, where's Eliza? Eliza, come here. Come here, Eliza. And Morgan, you come up too, because we're going to be, they're going to be serving the, uh, serving the bread later, so we'll just have them come up. I want you guys to do something for me real quick. I want to give you a visual picture of just fellowship and doing life together and how we meet each other's needs and whatever. So come here, ladies. All right, now I want you to, Morgan, turn around and face Eliza. Come back towards me a little bit. Center, center up a little bit. That way you guys can see. All right, now, I want you to hold your hands out like this. Okay, all right, that's all right. She's got a hurt hand because she's been fellowshipping a lot, right? Sometimes you get injured while you're fellowshipping. All right, so they have their hands out. So what, what does this picture show you? What do you see? Tell me what you see here. Open to each other, okay. All right, why are you looking at me? Look out there, all right? All right, they're open to each other. Are they giving or receiving? Both, all right? It could be both, right? It could be that Eliza is giving to Morgan and Morgan is receiving now, but it might be later on that it's the other way around. Now, Morgan is giving and Eliza is receiving. So in fellowship, in doing life together, this is what it looks like. You walk into the door and it could be in any particular day or time or moment or whatever, you could be the one on the receiving end of your needs being met and and provision and just God just giving you the resources that you need to survive. And it comes through another person. Now, it could be supernatural. God could just make it appear. But more often than not, God makes it appear through somebody else, right? The provision comes through another person. 
I can look around in this room and I can find all kinds of examples. For me personally, I, I've been on both ends of this. And I'm on the end of the receiving a lot because pe- people just know how needy I am, I guess. I don't know. But like people will come over. Like I see Brian. Brian came over, ripped out this wall in our room. In like 30 minutes, it was done. It's like, it took me like a week to build the stupid wall. In 30 minutes, it was done. He gave to me and I received the blessing because I didn't have to do it myself. Okay? And then there, there's been times when I've given to Brian. And I've blessed him in different ways over the years. Okay, so this is giving and receiving. Now, this is, in, this is the church, okay? We're doing this for one another. But there, it could look a little bit different, though. Turn around back to back. All right, same thing. Hands out. Okay, now what are they doing? Huh? They're, they're maybe re- still receiving, but they're also giving to others, Correct? Because if we just stay face-to-face and we just give to each other in the church, that's great, and that's wonderful, but how does it bless the rest of the world? How is the rest of the world going to know who they belong to if they don't give to others? And that's a whole other sermon. That's a whole other series of sermons of how we bless other people outside of the community. But we come together, first turn and face each other again, we, current, we come together to bless each other to receive from one another. And it might be that you feel like, I feel so guilty, Brady, though, because I come to church all the time and I feel like I'm always the one needing. I need, I need, I need. Okay, that's great. Until you get filled up, keep receiving. And then once you feel like you're able to, then turn around and start giving. But you cannot give unless you receive. If your hand is like this. Okay, you guys can go sit down. Thank you very much. Give it up for our volunteers, all right? I'll, I'll never live the end of that down. Eliza will, why did you make me do that? But if your hand is like this, you have to let go of something before you can receive something. But we come in, sometimes we come into this, this fellowship and, and life together and we hold on so desperately to what it is that we have that we think we need and we don't let it go. But I promise you, until you let it go, let go of our pride and our sin, we're never going to be able to fully receive all that God has for us so that he can fill us up so that he can pour out again. It's just the way he created us. Winston Churchill said this, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So think about that. We all make a living by what it is that we receive, but we make a life by giving things away. We see fellowship all around us. I come to the YMCA in the mornings. You know what I see when I first walk in? I see a bunch of older gentlemen, coffee in their hand, and you know what they're doing? They're fellowshipping. That's their community. That's, their, that's where they get their life. They're just talking. and they're be, Sometimes I'll just go and I'll mess with them. I'll stand in the middle and I'll just be like this. And they're like, I'm just soaking up all the knowledge, you know, all the wisdom or all of the BS, you know, depending on what day it is. And they just mess with me. Every once in a while, a woman will enter in, but not for very long. She'll share her little wisdom and she'll get out, all right? But it's usually a bunch of guys sitting around. And then they'll be like, you ready to work out? Yeah. So they'll go. They'll work out for like 15 minutes, go back. Let's get some more coffee. And they'll have some more coffee and they'll go back to fellowshipping. I've heard that um, the number one reason why kids start drinking in college is because they're lonely. So they go where the party is, where people are fellowshipping. It's a different kind of fellowshipping, but it's the same thing to them. They go because that's where people are, that we can, they can receive and they can give. It's not necessarily the holiest env- environments, but it's, it's what they do. It's, it's how people are wired. They want to be around other people. 
Years ago, it was an old show. Everybody walked, this guy walked into the bar and they were like, Norm! What's the show? Yeah, everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. Don't we want church to be that way? Don't you want people to know your name and be glad that you're here? Absolutely. Absolutely. We should be, no, the church shouldn't be more like a bar. But maybe it should be as friendly as one. I don't know. What do young people call fellowshipping? I asked my teenagers this, huh? Hanging out, all right. What else? Huh? Kicking it. <laughs> Any teenagers? You guys say, still say kicking it? <laughs> the teenagers in the background, no, we still, we, that, was, that was out like 10 years ago. Chilling, chilling out. Hey, why don't you come over and chill? All right? That's what they say. What do we call it when we were younger? What did you call it, Dan, when you were younger? Hanging out. That hasn't changed much, has it? So we, we're fellowshipping together. Biblical fellowship can be sweet. It can be sweet because we experience the joy of the Lord when we're all together in one place. And it makes us want to be better people. We receive encouragement. In Hebrews, it says we should spur one another on, right? To love and good works. Fellowship should be an energizing. It can be a little draining sometimes because we're dealing with people. But fellowship, in its truest sense, should be energizing so we get charged up so that we're able to go and give away. Authentic fellowship requires us to be real and vulnerable, though. And that's where, this is where the guys check out. Well, you want me to be vulnerable? I, I don't like that word. Vulnerable means weakness, right? I, to, I think it's the other way around. I think when you're vulnerable, it's when you're strongest because you're willing to trust and you're willing to let other people in. Biblical fellowship can be hard because sometimes we need to speak the truth and love to each other. We need, to, we need to restore each other gently, but sometimes we need to like pull a brother aside and say, hey man, I'm going to just tell you right now, that's probably not a good idea. I think you're, you're headed for some real pain if you keep going down that road. I love you, but I don't think you should go there anymore. And we don't receive that very well, but we need that in the church. We need that with one. I need that. I need guys in my life to hold me accountable to as iron sharpens iron, you know, they need to sharpen me. And fellowship can come in all shapes and sizes, right? Big groups, you know, really big gatherings or really small group, intimate groups, depending on how you feel. Like every uh, first Monday of the month, I get together with a few other pastors, and one of them is here today. I'm so excited that Dave is here. Uh, and we get together, and we just hang out, and we talk, and we just share, we share each other's burdens, and we encourage one another. It's good stuff. Let me ask you this. Do you think who you fellowship with matters? The people you're around matters. As a youth pastor, I'd always say your friends make you or break you. Who you're with matters. He who walks with the wise grows wise. But if you hang around fools, you're going to suffer harm, Scripture says. So fellowship with the right people can change your life. Now, I have a, a friend of mine that's going to come he's gonna outside of his comfort zone, but he's willing to share a little bit about how fellowshipping the right people can literally save your life. So, Tony, I want you to come on up. His name is Tony Nealon. Tony, Tony shared his, uh, his full testimony with us a few nights or a few weeks ago at our, our staff meeting, and, and it's a powerful word. So Tony likes to talk, so I'm going to have to pull him off of here in just a short moment of time, but almost as much as I like to talk, that's for sure. All right, so everybody, this is Tony Nealon. My name is Tony. Um, I, I'm going to make it short, sweet. I'm going to give you kind of my testimony of after I got saved, um, I'll give you a little bit before, but then it kind of leads into after. I didn't grow up in a church. I grew up, I grew up down the city, 
When I grew up, we, um, I grew up with just a group of guys. I mean, that's who we were. That's what we did. That was our family. That's what we did. And um, as life went on, I lost a few buddies here and there. Things got hard. Um, I finally got saved about 27 years old as well as when I, when I come to meet the Lord. And I started going to church. And I went to a big church down in the city. It's uh, Sheffield Assemblies of God. Uh, big church, wonderful church. God, Pastor Westlake was just an amazing man to learn under. Uh, when I went to church, uh, I didn't know nothing about God. I spent my first couple weeks going in there, and, and like Pastor said, it, it's kind of weird. You know, you see all these people, they're happy, and you don't understand it because there was no happiness in my heart. I, my heart, I felt like kind of had a hole in it, and that's why Pastor always described it. It's, it was just weird. You just couldn't describe the feeling, that, 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 that how you feel. I mean, you just can't describe it. It's just not there. I started going to church there, and I started seeing these people, and every, after every service, he always had uh, an altar call. You know, come down and receive the Lord. You know, he goes, you confess yourself in front of all these people. God will confess himself to you and bring you above. And, and that's what, you know, I didn't do it for the first couple of times. And God really hit my heart about that. And then I went down once. The day, the day I finally gave myself, I broke in. I gave down. I walked down. And, I mean, there's probably 1,000, 1,500 people there at church that day. And it was real hard. It's nothing like it is here. I mean, it was, it was different. But I didn't see none of them. I, I got out. I walked down. And the moment I gave my heart to God, we prayed together. And um, the person sat down with me and says, when you do this, you got to understand a couple things. First thing you got to understand is, you, okay, the Bible tells you, you, know, you take off the old, now you're putting on the new. You're putting on the new you. All the old stuff you did, it's going to be there for you, but now you've, you've got to let it go. So I said, okay, you know, and then I come back to church a couple times, got into it a lot, but God really dealt with my heart a lot. Um, then I started to get, I really got involved in the church. I, I um, just said, okay, God, here's what's going to happen. A couple bad things happened. I said, okay, God, here's it goes. We're going to make the line. We're going to draw the line. I'm going to be on that side or I'm going to be on your side. It's the way it's got to be. It's how I'm going to live my life. It's, we're going to do it. So I lived that way. It didn't work. It, it wasn't a good life. I hated it. Now I'm going to give it all to you. See what you, you, you tell me all this stuff in the Bible. You say it's good. Let's, let's do it. And I jumped in feet first. I went all out. I, I started helping out the church. I was there three, four, five times a week. I started working under pastors. I, I did anything they had going on there just to get myself in. Uh, I lost a lot of my friends doing that because they wasn't going to have nothing to do with it. So I told God again, okay, they're all leaving me. This is my life. These are my people. What do I do? Well, the next thing I know, I started coming in like he said. You start getting in, people start talking to you. People just start saying hi to you. They know your name. It makes you feel good. I mean, it just it was weird, but it was really neat. So then I, I got uh, my first thing I really did. I got involved in uh, it was a singles. It was a, they had a singles uh, group there. Uh, Pastor Rich Avila, man was a good godly man, awesome man. He he taught me. He goes, okay, I'm a new Christian. He goes, one thing you need to learn is he goes, you come with me. He goes, we'll we'll walk this through together. I mean, I can call on this man day or night for anything I need because I had a lot of issues, you know, dating and things like that. He goes, we don't worry about none of that. You get that, I you know that's done. He goes, what we're going to do is we're going to Start in our Bible. You're going to pray every day. We're going to read our Bible every day. He goes, I'll give you verses every day. We're going to learn the life of a single man as, as a baby. You're a baby now. We're going to grow you up. And that's what he did. Uh, first year, year and a half, I, I worked with him, and he taught me how to be a single young, you know, a single, not young, I was 27, single man of God, which was hard to do. Uh, he goes, you know, don't, he goes, when you need to learn baby steps, you'll, you'll become a good single man. You learn what God says you do. You don't worry about women. You don't need people to fill your heart. All you got to do is get right with God. You get right with God, then he'll bring you the true love of your life. That's because that, that's a promise. I guarantee you that. But you got to get right with God first. So I did. I gave up everything I did. Um, I did construction at the time. Uh, a lot of guys, I used to hang out at the work. We used to go after work, and, you know, they'd, they'd have a few drinks here and there and things like that. And I quit doing all that, you know, and I got away from it. I started going home, and 
when I started coming to church on Sunday, I started feeling, it just felt weird, but it was really good to come. I, I, I jumped up Sunday morning, and just, I was happy to come to church on Sunday morning. Because I, I knew when I go there, it was a crazy week all week, but I knew when I went to church Sunday morning, God was going to be there. God showed up every week, I mean, day in and day out there, and it was like, I could feel the Spirit of the Lord, you know, every day. I mean, it was just amazing. I'd be there praising, you know, God, and, and we always call it the Holy Ghost Goosebumps, but, you know, you, I mean, we, we prayed. We, we had a hands up church praying. That's what we did. People ran, they ran around, they sing, they dance. It was church, people. I mean, it was, it was a little bit different, but it was church. And you could feel the Spirit of God there like it was just amazing. I mean, it was it's something you can't ever describe. You just have to know. You know that you know that was there. And um, Pastor Rich was just an awesome man. And um, finally, I moved on. You know, they always tell you, you know, you take baby steps. You're moving to level. You have different levels of your Christian life. So then I started progressing a little more. Um, I got involved with the youth. I worked with the youth for about six years under uh, Pastor David. When I got into youth, uh, I met a gentleman named Mike, uh, one of my best buddies now, good godly man I've, I mean awesome godly man uh, we started doing a small group there was five of us that got together every Monday or Tuesday once a week religiously I mean rain shine whatever it was we got together because we needed each other's fellowship we were all young single men going through a lot of crazy stuff and that was the one of the amazing things that God had done in my heart in my life I mean we, he would have a thing that every week we would just get down and talk to each other and we know everything that we talked about stayed in the confines of our group. It didn't leave that group. It was, you know, it was it. That was it. You can tell your whole life story right there, right or wrong, and they didn't judge you. They prayed with you. You know, you prayed with them and we went through life struggles with each and every one of us. That was just, you just can't, I mean, it was unreal. So God really built my, you know, really built me up a lot through that. I mean, that was one of the single biggest things that he did for me is give me that small group with these guys that I still call friends today. I mean, I, I, I call them up. It's been almost 15, 16 years now, and I, I call them up, and we hang out, and, uh, you know, we used to go out like once a month and things, but you need good, you know, them kind of people in your life is just priceless. Like, you know, things like that, it's priceless. It's somebody you can call on and know that they're there, rain shines. My buddy Mike, I can call him in the middle of the night, 2 in the morning if I need money. If I need anything, that man was always there no matter what. I mean, he, he did everything for everybody in the world. And, God, you know, so I really thank God for people like him. Uh, Pastor David was the next guy. He was my youth leader. I kind of got under his wing when I worked with him for five years. This guy, he, he was another one. Um, he was one that was, he, he went wholeheartedly for God. All these guys that I talked to, for some reason, God put me in their path. But they went wholeheartedly for God. I mean, we did... Um, he would make sure every week you know, we, we read our Bible, and he kept us accountable, and we kept him accountable. You know, you can't just say, oh, yeah, Pastor, I read a message. They don't know. I want to know what you read, you know, what you got out of it, if you need more, and all this. And we went through, I mean, for year, you know, like I said, five, six years when I worked with them, and we went through that every week and kept each other really, really accountable to everything. You know, he's, he didn't expect to be perfect, and he'll tell you the same thing Brady said. I'm not a perfect person. He goes, I'm a man just like you. He goes, I'm going to make mistakes. When we, when we do the stuff in the Bible and things, he goes, I'll read it to you, but I need you to go home and interpret it yourself. I want you to read it. I want you to tell me what you got out of it. And if you think it's different than what I did, let's sit down and talk about it. I may mess up. He goes, God doesn't, you know, God, God, God works in me just like he does you. I mean, it's, we're, we're the same. There's no doing it. I have a title of a pastor, and you, have, you get to go out into the world and talk to people every day of your life. He goes, so... He goes, you know, you hold my feet to the fire, and I'll do the same for you. And we did a lot of stuff together. Um, I ended up going on a missions trip with him 
like 03, 04, something like that, we went to uh, Guatemala. There was a team of us that went, and uh, him and some more, a couple of the guys that I, that I um, did my, uh, that we did our fellowship with went, and um, through that, God really just opened my eyes to something unreal. We went to a country, none of them spoke English. I didn't speak, you know, I don't speak their language. But it was like we communicate. We had one guy, he was a tour that he did speak English and I believe it's Spanish they speak, but he did speak both. And um, this guy, I watched him one night. We had, we ended up, we ended up building two churches there and we had a, uh, an outreach one night to where there was probably, oh God, there was nothing but six, seven, eight thousand people at this place. I mean, we filled up a whole, it was a whole field full of people. It was just amazing. We had pastors came in from out of town and we got to pray with people who didn't, didn't understand the word. You know, they, they didn't understand me or to them. But then when you prayed with them and you got on your knees, like God just touched this place and you could feel the presence of God where you're talking to them and they understand you and they look at you and, and know what, you know, you're talking about the same thing. And it was just absolutely amazing. I mean, just unreal. Heart, heartfelt, I mean, just unreal. So, I mean, God's just put a lot of good people in my life. I mean, just, I mean, w- when you start, thing is you, you've got to get, you got to give it your all. Like you said, you got to drop your pride. You got to get everything done and say, okay, God, I'm going to do half, you know, I'll, I'll give up this much, but not that much. And that's not, you know, he told me, no, that's not going to work. You either give me your all or none. There is no in between, you know, there, you can't balance on the fence. One day I'll be here. One day you'll be there. That's, that's just, does, he goes, it doesn't work that way. So, you're either going to take one side or you're going to the other. You draw your line of sand, you make a choice now. And, and you know, that's what I end up doing. And um, through it all, I've been truly blessed. Um, God has just given me, I mean, he's, he's given me, you know, just a, a love, just unreal for things. He had that hole I told you about in my heart. He, when he filled that, it's just like everything that one day I was praying and um, I was up talking. It's like you could feel him. I mean, like I could feel him. I just couldn't describe it, but I felt like everything just dropped off of me. I mean, all this pressure I had, all this stuff, it just went away. And it was like, you know, I just looked up at God and I said, well, you know, thank you, God. I said, you know, I, I need something. You know, I need you every day of my life to walk forward and to do all this. And he goes, and, and I started reading scripture. And then I had a man come up to me one time. Um, we were at a, um, we were at a, they, they had assembly for the kids. It was at the church, but we had a big concert stuff at night. I think the gentleman's name was Joseph, Joseph Jennings. He came up to me one night after the thing. He goes, he goes, I seen you out in the crowd. He goes, um, he goes, I have a word for you. I said, oh, yeah? I said, what's that? He goes, whatever it is that you're still carrying, whatever it is, you got to let it go. He said, God just told me to tell you to let it go. He goes, I've been through it all. He goes, I've been shot. I've been stabbed. He goes, I've been almost beat to death. I've done all these things. But he goes, you know what? I let it all go. He goes, them guys, I see them. Sometimes I see them every day. A lot of them are in prison. But you got to let it go. You just got to let it all go. And when you do, God will truly bless you for that. He will open up, he goes, he'll open up doors that you can't even dream of. Things that you don't even know that you wanted that you wanted. And um, I did that. And I said, okay. And we got down and prayed and we prayed a prayer. And after that's when everything went away. I mean, all the stuff felt like it dropped off. And he looked at me. He goes, there's something new about you. And he goes, you need to stay focused and stay forward and keep going. He goes, run the race. He goes, at the end, you'll be thankful when you get to heaven. And God looks at you and said, you know, you ran your race. You did good. He goes, you know, come in. And my son, he goes, you know, you're coming home. So it's like, man, just a powerful, powerful thing. And just keep it going. And <laughs> I didn't think I'd say a lot, but just, right. I had a verse too, but we'll read that later. No, no, it's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> It was one thing that I always stood by. It was, I think it's Ephesians 6, where we talked about the breastplate, the helmet of, uh, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate. 
your shield, and your word. You know, the word is what you have to stand on. Everything's going crazy. They always told me when you get saved, you think life's great, it gets worse. Because it always gets worse before it gets better. But you stand on the word, you believe in God, you walk your walk, and God will change you when you give him everything. And that's, that's what he does. So here you go. Amen. All right. Thank you. finish up in Galatians, it says that we are to carry one another's burdens or bear one another's burdens in fellowship. So when we come into life together and we start living life together, we realize that we're not alone, that this, this picture here is another picture of someone carrying the burden that you have in your life. And if you have something that's going on and you need someone to carry it with you, there are people around us that say, let me have it for a while. I'll carry it so that you can get your energy back so that we can go on together. And it says in Scripture that we are to fulfill the law of Christ by doing this. So what is the law of Christ other than the burden of loving someone? Like this law of Christ is to love others. Jesus loved us so much that he bore our burden, the greatest burden that we could not carry on our own, and that is the burden of sin. We could not do anything about it on our own. Jesus is the only one, the only one that could bear that burden. And so this law of Christ is rooted in love. Everything that we do is rooted in love. So right after the fellowship piece, it says that we are, to, uh, we are to be devoted to the breaking of bread. And in that passage of Scripture in Acts 2, 42-47, it talks about bread two times. The first one is the breaking of bread in the Lord's Supper. The second one is eating together. And we all, we all love eating together, right? We all love, like, hey, where, where are we going to go to lunch? Where are we going to go to dinner? Let's go, have, let's go get a, a bite together. That's something that we're so accustomed to. And we do that well in the church but this, this morning, one of the things that we're going to do before we leave is we're going to be devoted to the Lord's Supper. We're going to break bread together in this place. And we're going to do it remembering love. We're going to remember the love that Jesus has for us and the sacrifice that he's made for us. You know, Tony met other people who were walking with Jesus, and that's the key. They were walking with Jesus. I mean, he could have found other friends. He could have hung around some other people. He could have changed one group of friends and found some more. But if they didn't have Christ as the center, the direction they're headed is the wrong direction. It's not going to take him where he wants to go. That is the thing that made a difference in Tony's life. It's led, it led him to me. It led, him to, it led us together because we have Christ together. So this morning as we get ready to share in the Lord's meal together, I want to just take a moment to, um, to be quiet for just a moment. And then here's what we're going to do. We'll be, we'll be still for just a moment. And when you're being still, what you're doing is, is you're, you're taking an opportunity to, to fellowship with the Lord. And sometimes we're so afraid to come into God's presence because we're afraid of what he's going to find in us. Don't be afraid of that. He loves you for who you are. He loves everything about you. He might not love what it is that you've got going on in your heart, and he may want to deal with you on that, and that's okay. Let him. Just let him. He's a good father. He's a good, loving, compassionate father, and he'll... He'll, he'll take you into his arms. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. And just, just have that moment with the Lord. And then when we're ready, what we'll do is you'll, we'll stand up. We'll start with the first row. And you'll come to the center aisle. We'll start with the front and work your way back. There's two lines. So go to the line on your side and take a piece of bread, take a cup, and then come back around and, and to your seat. And then when everybody has one, we'll, we'll share it together. If you 
have an allergy to gluten, we do have an option for that as well. We like to be politically correct here at the church. We do have a, an opportunity for you to receive that as well. Um, but let's just, let's just have a moment of silence. Thank you so much for the gift of your son, the body that he offered for us, the blood that was shed on the cross to give us life so that we could have fellowship with you, so that we can then have fellowship with one another. God, I pray that you would meet all of our needs and you would help us to meet the needs of the people around us. We thank you for the gift of life. We praise you. We praise you for the offering that we will receive this morning. May it be used to further this news that is life-changing to our community and to the world around us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so each week, we do give you an opportunity to give. Some might wonder, why don't they pass the offering baskets? And my wife, will, she's always on me. She wants me to answer that question too. But I just think it's important to know that there's a, an opportunity. You don't feel like you have to, but we want to give you a chance to do that because there's a blessing in giving. Like our hands are out. And whether we're receiving or giving, there's an opportunity to do that. And so as you leave this morning, Tony and his wife, Beth, will be there to receive the offering. That's where we do that each week. And so that's a chance for you to, to give, um, give back, you know, in, for what God has given to you. And so we, we thank you if you're able to do that. There's no compulsion. You don't have to, but it is available. So thank you for being here this morning, and we hope to see you soon. Bless you.